0: This morning we're going to have communion, and we're also going to have um, a little bit more of a prayer time at the end of the service. Have you ever looked at the Bible and and said, "Why doesn't my church? Why don't I look more like the the Church of Acts?" I remember even as a young youth pastor thirty years ago, I would say to myself, um, "I would look at the church and I'd say, Well, but, but am I? But am I living like? Do I look like the Book of Acts? Now, let me make a disqu- disclaimer real quick. I mean, I know that if you as you go through the Book of Acts, you see this this uh, drawing them in together, and then immediately they begin to 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 uh, bring all their property. And I'm not saying that's what we have to do. However, I will say this: if you look at the time frame that Jerusalem was going to fall in 70 A.D. or excuse me, yeah 70 A.D you will see that that I guess there may come a time when we as a church may look exactly like that because of the end times. We may have to pool ourselves together to function like that. But I've often thought to myself, I want to look, if if, if I'm going to be a church, if we're going to be a church, uh, I, I think that we should look like the word of God. I apologize before I begin this morning because I know I'm going to be all over the map. I got rabbit trails I'm going to be taking. But my heart is this morning that we would line up with the word of God, that our church would line up with the word of God, that what we do would not look like something that has been fashioned by the world, a carefully crafted church that resembles the world more than the book of Acts.
1: I think we're missing it still. I think there's more and, and as we evaluated, it was a lot more painful this time because now I didn't have anyone else to blame. Now I noticed how we had neglected some of the important things in scripture. And I think we all see it. I, I, I think that anyone that has any type of church experience looks at the Bible and they look at what they're experiencing and they're going, why not today? Why couldn't we do that today? And and as we do that, it's it's the church becoming more and more, I believe, what God called it to be. And In fact, I think if God showed me everything and said, look, here's everything you're doing wrong, I, I think we would have been paralyzed. It may have been overwhelming. And, and the important thing is to remember, no, you know what? We can do this. God wants us to do this. Let's keep finding what's unbiblical and move toward a more and more biblical pattern because it's not that difficult. And I think it's something that a lot of us long for.
0: That's what I'm talking about this morning. I, as he was saying that, I realized that there's, not, there's part of this that we couldn't handle right away, but I long for this. I want to continue to evaluate our church, our lives and get into the place where I'm not following pre- tradition, or I'm following my per- preferences, but do I line up with the Word of God? I'm, rem- I'm reminded, if you would, if, turn with me to this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to start right away, beginning with verse 23, but we're having communion this morning, and this scripture is normally the passage that we go to as instruction for communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, and I'm going to stay in this chapter for quite a while today, so hang around there with me. It says there in verse 23, 4, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also After supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning, though, I want to just go in context, if I may. I preached a message similar to this several years ago. The story of the Lord's supper, taken from the book of Corinthians, what does Paul say just prior to this, and what does he say just after this, he says in verse, starting in verse 17 of that same chapter, he says, but in giving instruction, I do not praise you, now I want you to remember, he's get, he's getting ready to take communion with them, and he's giving them the instructions for this, he says, I do not praise you, because you come together, not for better, but for the worse, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear the divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating each time, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Is this not in this, I will not praise you. Paul begins his instructions before communion table with a reprimand to the church at Corinth. He says that if you're out of alignment with one another, you're out of alignment with him. That goes in line with what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.7. He says that our prayers are hindered if we're not in right relationship with our wife. So I want you to look at just a little part of this here. He says in in this part right here, I think it's in verse 18 and 19. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Paul gives this insight into this. I went to the commentary because I wanted. I thought to myself, Lord, what is exactly happening here? What's What's going on? And it said this, it said, For the church of God, like the Jewish nation, will continually fall away from steadfastness in the faith. Those who cannot be faithful to God under temptations to disobey Him are not worthy of His kingdom. So God allows evil men to come in among His people who would lead away from God and, his, and in order to try and test who among them are faithful and true to Him. This was permitted to prove and to show who could stand firm, and steadfast under temptations and, and turn away from God. God tests them on the point of fidelity in, in, him, in Him, in faith, in doctrine, as well as love of the world, the lust of the flesh, and the pleasures of life. He goes on to say this. He says that, those, that God uses these tests to purify the church. He desires only true and tried and faithful subjects in His kingdom. Those who cannot stand the test must be purged out. So divisions come to every church to make manifest those who are approved. It is God bringing the churches to judgment in this world that those who are approved and true may be, may be manifest. All we have to do is stand true and firm to God and His word and leave the results to Him. God uses whatever means possible to purge His church, including this part, to me, is, it's distressful. I don't want anybody to leave. In fact, you know what, as, as you start in the beginning of, of, of building ministry, the first thing you want to do is you, you don't want to see anybody go. But you realize that, that the process, and from what Paul's saying here, is the process works like this. God allows people to come in that will actually try to pull us away and dissuade us so that he can tr- she can really show who the true ones are. Now see, in the church today, what we do is we do everything within our power to keep them. See, pastors get up and we become entertainers. We, we do all kinds of theatrics just to keep you in church. In fact, you'll find that. You'll go to many churches and you know what? You'll have a good time because the pre- preacher up there, he's a joke teller. He is funny. He's, he's exhaustingly funny and you enjoy it. But you get nothing from it when you leave. See, the difference is, is we, wanna, we want to, we pe- want, I do, I desire people to come. I desire people to be in church. But the reality is, is that we're going to see people leave if we are a healthy church. God is going to purify his church. He uses this process to bring us into complete unity. Because there are those within our ranks right now there are those that, that sit back and they're quiet they don't say anything but inside their spirit is always cussing it's this process that purifies his church and also allows for those who are truly in him to flourish this sounds harsh I don't like it.
1: We can fool ourselves thinking, you know what? At least we're doing something. And something is always better than nothing. But I would challenge that. Because I look in Scripture and there are times when the church was just missing it. And God says, it'd be better for you just not to do anything than to do that. Paul makes some pretty strong statements in 1 Corinthians 11. He goes, you know, when you guys get together to practice this thing that you call the Lord's Supper, he goes, that's not even remotely close to what God wanted. He goes, in fact, some of you, it would have been better if you didn't show up, that you didn't break bread together. This is something we really had to wrestle with because we're going, okay, what was the Lord's Supper like back then? What was communion? What was God's intention? Because I don't want to just assume... That because we got a bunch of people in the room, and we took bread, and we took the cup, that we're we're, we're actually practicing the true Lord's Supper.
0: It amazed me when I saw these passages directly in front of the communion service. And then the, the passages right directly after it, and First Corinthians 11:27, right after the one I just read about the, the communion, it says, "Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord." But a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly." For this reason, many, of you are, many among you are sick, weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we have judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. So he starts off there in verse 28, he says, but a man must examine himself. The purpose of this before we can even partake is that we would examine ourselves, that we would correctly judge ourselves. I want you to know this morning, if we correctly judge ourselves now, we won't be judged later. He says it like this, there's two things that have to take place, a self-examination and a body examination. A self-examination begins at Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read there real quickly. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. He gives us this instruction that he, you know, today we want to build up pride in this unglorified way, but there is a pride that God wants us to have, but it's not in the fact that I look at other people and I go, oh, I'm better than them, or it's that, that, but it's in this place where I have fully submitted myself to him and I've tested my actions. God's tested me. Our actions need to be tested, but not in comparison to someone else. He says at the last part of that verse, but if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. So how this morning do I judge correctly? What if I cannot see my blind spots? What if I think I'm doing fine? What if I think I'm doing the right thing? How can I know? Psalms 37 says it like this, in verse 30, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts, their feet do not slip. The mouths of the righteous, not the self-righteous, but those who truly are righteous, they have wisdom for us. Their tongues will speak what is just, because the law of their God, their word of God, guards their steps, guards their life. Hymns them in. They cannot break out because they are hemmed in by God. Their feet don't slip because they are they're mounted up with, with the power of God around them. Don't seek someone who will tell you what you want to hear. Don't seek someone out who will give you the advice that you think you want. The one who speaks righteous speaks wisdom. Good counsel. Don't ser- you, the People, I've seen this all the time. People will search out people who will give them the answer they desire. If I know if I go to this guy or this girl, she'll, she'll, she'll know what I'm going through. She'll understand or he'll understand. Seek out the one who you know is going to give you the, the advice that's godly. And it may not be the friendly advice. It may be the troubling advice. But it's the godly advice. It's the, the advice that will keep our feet from slipping. And let me say, in addition to this, this is a place where I don't have a problem with separating myself and not doing certain things, not because it makes me more righteous or justified, but because God tells me. In fact, we do this. Let me give you an example. Many of us, maybe we don't eat meat. Or we have a strict diet. It amazes me that we will put ourselves in this place of a certain diet or a certain way or we won't do certain things and we'll feel justified in that. But in our relationship with God, if I said, hey, you know what, I don't do that because I know that it just demeans my relationship with God, we'll go, oh, you're one of those self-righteous people. But we don't have any problem in our diet. See, the same thing should be true in our relationship with God. Even more so, if I'm strict on my diet, I should be strict in my spiritual diet. I should go, you know what? I don't do this. Maybe it's not sin, but I just don't do it because it doesn't look right. It doesn't bring glory to God. It just isn't God. Think about the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul says this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. There are certain things that maybe I don't do because I just know that I don't want to be mastered by him. And Paul didn't just say this once. He said it again in verse 10. He says this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. He must have meant it because he said it twice. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. There are certain things I don't do because I know it's for your good. There are certain things I don't watch because it is it is not for my good it is not good for my good but it's also not good for your good. The second part is the body examination. It happens in two ways. I said the first is self-examination the second is the body examination. First Peter 4:17 says for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Is my church this morning doctrinally sound? Does my church function and operate as the body of Christ? Does it attempt to look like the book of Acts? When, someone, when something is exposed, do I change? Does my church change? Am I held accountable in my church? Do I hold others accountable? Or is it a free-for-all? Paul takes action in 1 Corinthians 5 because the church did not. The question this morning should be this. Do I need to have my way? Am I simply following after tradition or my preference or something I like? Or am I truly trying to find the heart of God and what the word of God looks like? Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. See, we see Paul reprimanding the church because he was trying to sharpen them. He wanted to see them operating and functioning before they partake of communion, which is probably one of the most solemn and powerful times that we have as the body of Christ. We allow the sandpaper of the church, of others, to round off the rough edges. How many of us work with wood or or even metal and we have to get rid of those burrs? The church is there designed for us to be able to to rub off or rasp off those rough 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 edges so that we can be in alignment with God. So what do we see in communion this morning? I'm going to give you five very quick things. The first thing is this, we give thanks to Him and doing so with excellence. In communion, we are giving thanks for what He did for us. And we do it. To the best of our ability with excellence. The second thing is, His sustaining grace is flowing into us as we obey and honor Him. It is not because I drink grape juice. It is because I obeyed Him and I honored Him and I follow Him and I trust Him. It is not because I took a wafer. There is no saving power in those elements this morning. But there is in the blood of Jesus. The third thing is we are communing with him, participating in his life and victory, eagerly anticipating his return. He said, do this in remembrance me until I come back. He wanted us to do that. The next thing is, is we are experiencing a renewal of the Lord's covenant with us. His promises, promises are renewed and we renew our promises to him. Both of those things are taking place. It's not just that he promises to us. It's that I promise back to him. The last thing is this. He is revealed to us in the breaking of bread. The Holy Spirit shows us our Lord in vivid reality. I want you to know this morning, the Holy Spirit is present at this table. He is the the one that's welcoming in us this morning, saying, come. But I don't want us to come this morning without examining ourselves. I don't want us to come if there is open sin if we have not repented of. I don't want us to come because I think then we bring damnation on ourselves. He presides over the table.
1: You understand, when when Jesus instituted communion, it was such an intimate and beautiful picture. In fact, Jesus, when he gathered his disciples together, he looks at them and he goes, Ah, I've longed for this moment. Jesus was about to die on the cross, and he goes, I just longed to get my friends together. And there was a a relationship there. And then he looks at his friends and he says, My body's going to be broken for you. My blood is going to be spilled out for you, and it's, it's and this cup is going to represent that. And 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 he says, so when you break this bread, I want you to remember my body that was broken for you. Because when you take of this cup, remember my blood that was shed for you. Because this is what the forgiveness is going to come from. And there was a there was an intense moment in there as he explained what was about to happen. Says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. This is the most amazing thing that anyone will ever do for you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lays down his life for you. And I don't want you to forget this. And so every time you break the bread, remember my body. Every time you drink this cup, remember my blood that was shed for you and do this to proclaim my death until I return.
0: This morning, I'm going to conclude with this song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. If the images of Jesus' death are too much, you can look away, but I want us to remember today the sacrifice that He gave for us. Examine yourself this morning. Take an inventory and say, God, what is it? If there's something in me, Lord, remove it. I want to participate. I invite all of us this morning, after this song is over, we're going to come and we're going to gather together. But right now, just take a moment.